This morning's Gospel lesson is Mark 6, verses 14 through 29. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason these powers are at work in him. But others said it is Elijah, and others said it is a prophet like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests, and the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it. And he solemnly swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What should I ask for? She replied, The head of John the baptizer. Immediately she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved, yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went, beheaded him in the prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. I want to start this morning by asking, how many here, and with a show of hands, like to dance? Wow, that's pretty okay. Quite a few of you. I ask that for two reasons. Number one, it's pertinent to today's lessons. Number two, the next time Amy asks me to go dancing, I'll know who to actually have her call. So, we got a lot of folks here that like to do it. Why not go with her instead? So. <laughs> Now, who among you in here would rather have a tooth pulled than dance? I would rather do just about anything other than dance. Is there anybody in here like me who does not like to dance? Okay. For me, dancing is a little bit like I think public speaking is for other people. I can get up and I can talk and talk and talk and talk, but you put me on a dance floor, forget it. I turn into a, I wilt. I hate it. I don't like it. I'm not comfortable with it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And so I have to be honest and tell you, I don't really get David in this story. I don't get David in today's Old Testament lesson where he's dancing through the streets of Jerusalem for joy. I get joy, but I don't get that sort of unfettered restraint where you're dancing through the streets and praising God's name and just sort of letting it all out there, letting it all go, you know? And I think maybe that's a little bit what dancing is. People who are good at dancing have this ability, it seems to me, to just sort of turn off what they think other people might be perceiving. They're not self-conscious. I will say I can dance in the dark a little bit. I'm pretty good at that. But it's that public display that kind of blocks me from feeling comfortable with dancing. I just don't like to do it. Or I don't like to do it in front of other people. And then we have another type of dancing today, too, don't we? 
this dance is a little bit different. In the first one, David is praising God. He's marching through the streets of Jerusalem, praising God because the Ark of the Covenant is back in with Israel again. He's joy-filled, and so he's going through the streets, praising God, thanking God for this glorious victory with a loincloth on, of all things. <laughs> it doesn't seem quite fitting for a king, does it? But going through the streets, he's just overwhelmed with joy for what God has done for him. But then there's this other dance. There's this dance of Herodias. And I guess he's kind of like, she's kind of like King Herod's stepdaughter. And she comes in, dances beautifully. I imagine perhaps it's somewhat seductively. Veiled eyes, hips swaying, bejeweled. It doesn't really say. But her dance leads to death. Her dance leads to John the Baptist's head on a platter. You have two dances, but they're both very different. What's the difference? Well, I think it's intent. I think it's intent. Sometimes it's not the way you dance. Sometimes it's the reason you dance. Life is a whole lot like that, too. You know, as I was thinking about David, I was thinking about how life can be something like a dance. How the way we live on a daily basis can be something like a dance. Here's David, out in clear view of everybody, a king of all things, dancing half nude through the streets of Israel, through the streets of Jerusalem, bringing the ark back home without any concern whatsoever for what other people might perceive about his dance. What does that look like for us? What does it look like for us to dance with God on a daily basis, to praise God without any concern for how others might perceive our dance? I know what it can be like. Sometimes as a pastor, you get a little bit insulated from these things because everybody expects you to be holy, right? Nobody thinks that, well, here comes the pastor to tell another coarse joke. Maybe it depends on the pastor. I don't know. <laughs> but I remember what it was like when I was working in the secular world. Where you'd have this dance on Sunday. You'd be reminded of God's goodness. Maybe even in your morning prayers before you go out the door, you've had that time to reflect on the way that God has worked in your life. But then you get out the door. You get to work. Maybe you get to school. Maybe it's even in the house. Suddenly you don't want to dance anymore. Because the dance means that people are going to see you dancing. And that can be uncomfortable. We see that in today's story too, don't we? Let's go back to that lesson for just a second. The dance isn't just about David. It's also about Michal. The scripture reads, Michal, daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. You see, people often don't like people that dance. There are some who are never going to like the folks who are dancing. Have you ever been to a wedding where there are people that are just kind of off to the side and they're watching the folks on the floor and they're just saying, mm -hmm. yeah see me doing that. Actually, that's me sometimes. <laughs> 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 I 
Not because I have a problem with the dancing. I think there's something just locked up inside me that uh, can't express that way. But there are Michelles all over the world. People who will see you dancing with God, enjoying your life with God. And they'll be skeptical. They'll sit on the sidelines. They'll despise it. Now for Michelle, her reasoning is her father was king. And Saul was deposed. And we can imagine how King, how king Saul might have conducted himself. Certainly not dancing through streets. It's not proper. Kings don't do that. Certainly not half-naked dancing through the streets, praising God without any concern for how everybody who he's ruling over perceives it. There's no sense among David that he even cares about perception. And Michelle despises him for it. It's beneath the dignity of his office, or so she thinks. But I think it's also because he's rejoicing when she's lost power because her father's lost power. I think she doesn't want him to rejoice because she's miserable. And our lives can be a whole lot like that. I bet you can think about a mishal or two in your own life. A person who, every time you express joy, every time you express the wonders of God's grace in your life, has something to come back with. Well, how do you know what God exists? You know, you don't really know that. What are you so happy about? Don't you know there are all these poor people in the world who are suffering? If God was really good, then there shouldn't be poor people, right? Take your pick. It can be any number of things. It can be that little thing that you have hanging up in your cubicle that somebody comes and kind of makes a smart remark about. And so, instead of keeping it up there and allowing your light to continue shining, you take it down so as not to offend. Maybe it's a cross. Maybe it's a psalm. Maybe it's just a picture, a religious picture. Maybe it's in the home. Maybe you have joy and your spouse doesn't express that joy with you. The question is this. Does David continue dancing and rejoicing despite Michal's hatred of him? Or does, she stop, or does he stop dancing? If he stops dancing, I believe his dance eventually becomes a dance of death. We go back to Herodias. Again, intent is the key here. It's not the dance. Herodias, she was kind of used by her mother. I don't know that Herodias actually had a desire for John the Baptist's head apart from what her mom did. But the dance itself ended up killing. And for us, what that looks like is when we stop dancing with God, and we allow the voices, those things, those pressures that we perceive about our faith to come crashing in and tell us you shouldn't be dancing. What I've learned in my own life is that if I don't dance with God, I don't dance at all. I remember several years ago, I was eating lunch with some friends, going back to the course choking, and I was at sort of a spiritual difficult point in my life. I was at a lot of different crossroads, I guess you might say. And I remember telling a joke that was off color, and everybody was laughing, and I laughed, but there was something about it, and I can't describe it even to this day. As I was laughing, I almost wanted to cry, because something wasn't right. 
I knew something was wrong within me. You see, I'd experienced the presence of God in my life. I'd experienced holiness in my life. A sense of the divine. And to go back to this, to let the people that I was being around influence the kind of person I was becoming isn't what I wanted, but I felt this pressure and thought, I've got to be this in order to be this to them. Well, I'm here to encourage you this morning. There is no peace in the Christian life unless we're dancing with God, dancing like David, taking our joys, taking the joys of what he has given us to him, lifting him up with an unbridled enthusiasm and joy. Where are you at this morning? Do you have a Michal, maybe Michals in your life, that keep you from being able to dance with God with full, unbridled enthusiasm without being concerned for how other people perceive you? Or do you stuff it? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Do you let it shine? Or do you snuff it out so that others won't be offended? so that others won't see the joy. Friends, let me encourage you. There is no joy for the Christian unless we're dancing with Christ all the time. Holiness. I take somewhat moderated positions on a lot of things, but one thing I don't moderate on is holiness. The reason being, I don't think there can be joy in the Christian life in fullness unless we're seeking God in everything. That might look like different things at different times to different people, but by and large, what it's gonna mean is we never give up the dance. We never leave it. We never allow others' perceptions to tell us what we should be doing. We instead allow the joy of God to show us, to lead us, and to continue the life. Because as we begin to stamp it out, it does go out, doesn't it? I don't think I'm just speaking from experience. I think I'm, if I'm speaking from experience, it's a universal experience. When we squash it, we know it. But when we live it, we know that too. And I don't think there's an in-between on that. We'll either choose to dance like David through the streets, or we'll choose sort of our own dance of death. Only it's not a head on a platter. It ends up being a heart on a platter. And it ends up being ours. So don't allow yourself to fall into the trap of letting the Michals of the world show you and tell you what you have to be. As Christians, we're world changers. We're not changed by the world. As Christians, we're people who allow God to do the work in us so that we can share that work with others. And that means we will look different. We will act different. We will celebrate when everybody else is telling the coarse jokes or everybody else is gossiping or everybody else is doing whatever else it is, whatever it is. But we have a wonderful opportunity, like David, to show the world what it means to dance, to truly dance through life rather than just trudge through life and to dance with joy. So that's my encouragement to you this week. Dance through life with joy because what God has given you is such a wonderful gift 
it can't help but be experienced and received and shared with joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you give us the opportunity to dance with you spiritually. Lord, as you give us those opportunities, help us to seek out the good, to desire the dance with you rather than to desire the dance with the world. Lord, help us to show others what joy in Christ can be and help us to glorify you as we dance through life in everything we think, everything we say, and in everything we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.